0: let us pray. Oh Lord, we pray that your voice will rise up and will rise us up and that we might listen. Amen. What does it mean to listen? I was thinking about that this week, and there's Two shades of listen that that at least I thought of to lift up. And and one of them is like this. Let's say you're at basketball practice. The team is goofing off. Coach blows the whistle and calls everybody over and says, all right, I want y'all to listen to me. Well, you know, you better listen. Or, as I can remember from my growing up, being told, young man, you better listen to me right now. My mother, especially if she would grab my face and, Make sure i listen. I knew I better listen. There's another kind of listening. Let's say you're out walking in the woods with a friend. And all of a sudden your friend goes, wait a minute, did you hear that? Listen. Now, what are you listening for? Maybe it's the sound of a whippoorwill. Or maybe it's Bigfoot. Right around the corner, fixing to eat you. That's kind of, in a small sense, what it means to try to listen for the voice of God. What in the world does that mean? How in the world do we get a sense of what God's voice, God's word is about? And how do we listen? For it, Samuel, we come to our text today, and, and, and Samuel is living in the temple of the Lord. The temple at that time would have been more like a big tent. It was before the temple temple had been built. Samuel's daddy was a man named Elkanah. I think that's how you say it. Elkanah had two wives. One of the wives, and I didn't write her name down, so I don't remember it. She had lots of kids. His other wife, the one that was his favorite, was a woman named Hannah. And Hannah had no children. And because of that, the the other wife would really put down and make life miserable for Hannah. Hannah went to the temple and prayed to God and was praying so fervently, the priest that was working that day, Eli, saw her and thought she must be drunk she was praying so fervently and she told him no I'm praying because I wish I could have a child and Eli says well may the Lord grant your wish and sure enough not much longer later she was pregnant and a son was born to her and she named him Samuel and after Samuel was old enough to, to live without his mom she took him to the temple and asked Eli, the priest, to raise him. And he lived in the temple, and Eli served as his mentor. And, it, and the text says in chapter 2 that he, that he uh, grew up and, and was in favor with God and with people, just like they said later about Jesus. Now that's Samuel. Now I want to back up and kind of give you a, a short glimpse of what was going on in the whole realm. In the nation of Israel, among the people of Israel then, they had come into the promised land, led in by by Joshua. They had captured much of the land, but this was the time before the kings. And instead of having a king that ruled them, they had every once in a while a judge would be raised up. The people would be in a a bad strait. They would cry out to God. God would send a judge. The judge would, would make things better. Through God's working through that judge. And then, when that judge was gone, the people would begin to sin again and act in their own ways. Then the enemies would take over again. They would cry out to God, and God would send another judge. And that's what the book of Judges is all about that rotation of the people sinning and God delivering. Then the people sinning and, and God delivering. That's how life was then in Israel. Perhaps the person who was most looked up to was the priest Eli. Eli, though, had two sons who were also priests Hophni and Phinehas. And both of them, as the text even says, were scoundrels. They abused the sacrifices that were given in the temple, they abused the women that would come to the temple. God told Eli, Eli, your sons are corrupt. They are scoundrels, they are wrong. And Eli wouldn't do anything about it. God even said, this isn't gonna last much longer. That's when we get to our story today, from Samuel's end, from Israel's end, and and, uh, Eli's family. And then we get to this symbolic, and this story that's full of symbolism and irony. Samuel's ministering under Eli. It says the word of the Lord was rare in those days and visions weren't widespread. Eli's eyesight was dim. Literally, yes, but also perhaps dim because he's refused to deal with his sons. The lamp of God, though, had not yet gone out. The word was rare, the visions were scarce, but the word, the lamp of the Lord, had still not gone out. And then comes the big irony. Eli's sleeping, Samuel's sleeping, and all of a sudden there's a voice saying, Samuel, Samuel, to the young Samuel. Samuel runs to Eli. He says, I didn't say nothing. Go back to sleep. Three times that happens. It says Samuel didn't yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. So it's ironic that God is calling to Samuel, but Samuel doesn't know it. But Eli, whose sight is dimming, understands that this is something more than just silliness. He says, next time he calls you, say this, speak Lord, your servant is listening. Eli knew the words. So sure enough, the next time, Samuel, Samuel, and then Samuel says, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And then the next verse starts like this that we didn't read today. Then the Lord said to Samuel, See, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make both ears of anyone who hears of it tingle. Something big is going to be happening, in other words. All because Samuel finally said, Speak, Lord, before, because your servant is listening. What does it mean to listen for the voice of the Lord? Well, i got some ideas on that. I think one is that we've got to trust that there is a voice that comes to us from the Lord, that there is some sense of God's presence among us and that God is still speaking in our world. I talked with the kids about the great hound of heaven, the God who is always with us no matter where we are in life. Do we really believe that or not? Every Sunday after we Take communion. We say our affirmation of faith. We believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Is that God a God who lives among us and in our world, or is it just some God that's up in heaven waiting to zap us up there someday? I think we need to believe and trust that there is a voice that is speaking, that's calling us to listen. Then another thing, I read this this week, I hadn't noticed this before. When Samuel first starts to answer the voice that's calling him, he says, Here I am, here I am, here I am. And the, the last time, the fourth time, as Eli tells him, he says, Speak, for your servant is listening. First three times Samuel says, "Here I am," and I don't think Samuel was trying to be boastful or arrogant. That you know, because I don't think he knew what was going on. He he didn't know what was going on, but Samuel was saying, "Here I am," is in okay. What do I do? The last time it is, speak for your servant is listening. Perhaps this might teach us or show us that. Before we can do anything, we've got to listen. We've got to stop. We've got to slow down our own agendas and plans and knowing what we think we know best to do. We need to shut that down enough so that we might listen. And somehow, some way. Perhaps the voice of the Lord may speak. Now, what does that mean? Well, maybe it's a nudge. Maybe it's a hunch. Maybe it's a word from someone else. Maybe it's in God's Word. Maybe it's something that just arises. But first, I think we have to stop and listen for that. And one thing about the voice of the Lord and the way of the Lord is it's always going to be consistent with who God is. Who is God? As Christians, we say that we know God most fully from the embodiment of God in Jesus Christ. So in other words, the voice of the Lord For us Christians is always going to be consistent with who Jesus was and is. His life, his ministry, his teachings, his ways. Sometimes that voice that we might hear, that way that we might be called to, it might not be what we want to do. Let me play out a little bit what happens to Samuel here to give an example of that. You know, Samuel said, speak, speak, Lord, I'm listening. And then it says, Lord said back, you know, your, everybody's ears are going to tingle. Well, here's what was going to tingle. God told Samuel, Samuel, Eli's house is going to be destroyed. Now think about that. Samuel is living under this mentor, Eli, who I, I'm, I'm assuming he looked up to and modeled his behavior after, and now he's hearing from God that, Eli's house is gonna be destroyed. Now later on Eli says, well Samuel tell me what he said, what God said to you, and Samuel said, I'm not gonna say that at all. And Samuel makes him and he tells him. Because you see, Samuel had no idea that Eli had already been told this. But can you imagine the hardness of telling that word? Then later on, all around Israel all the countries, all the nations around them had their kings. Had this king, you know, in this country, that, and things were going great there, king over here, things going great. So the Israelites started clamoring to Samuel. and Samuel was the leader by then. Samuel, we want a king. And Samuel, hearing the voice of the Lord, said, you don't want a king. Because a king, all a king is going to do is take advantage of you and use you for his own greed and power. Instead, trust in the Lord. Well, the people kept saying give us a king, give us a king, give us a king. And the Lord finally tells him, okay, well go ahead, let them have a king. So, he goes and calls a king, anoints a king, a man named Saul. And Saul does great for a while, and then he becomes frankly paranoid and greedy and power hungry. And God tells Samuel, Samuel, go tell Saul that God's going to, that I'm taking my blessing away from him. Saul, the most powerful person around, and Samuel's gotta go tell him that God's gonna pull his blessing from him. He goes goes and does that, and as he's leaving, Saul tears the hem of his robe, of Samuel's robe, a hard place to be. And then, God sends Samuel out to anoint somebody else to be king, so he sends him to this fellow named Jesse, because he says, go to that house, so, all the sons of Jesse come out, pulls out the oldest son, I forgot his name, I'm sure he was a big stud, good looking guy, you know, very capable to be the next king. And Samuel says, well, this must be the king. And God tells him, the voice, no. Well, then the next one, this must be the king. No, no. Goes through all the sons, of their, none of them are going to be king. And, And and Samuel says to, to Jesse, Jesse, do you have any other sons? He goes, yeah, i got this one young kid of mine, but he's out watching the sheep because he's really, he's the baby. Well, go get him. Sure enough, that baby, the little one, the one that should not have been the one selected to be king, that's the one that God said anoint this one to be king. And that person became the greatest king in all of Israel, David. See, when the voice of the Lord, the word of the Lord comes, it might tell us to do things and to be in ways that we may not expect, we may not want to, but that is how God calls us. Do we listen? The word of the Lord is very rare in our society and how it's lived out. All you got to do is turn on the news. All you've got to do is see the fighting among people. Even in the lives of churches. Visions aren't very widespread except of course visions of how I can get what I want. But the lamp of the Lord has not given out. It still burns. Do we listen for that? Do we listen for how God might be calling us? Do we stop and listen and then follow in the way that God calls us. This morning we're gonna watch a video and actually this young man was introduced by one of y'all to me a while back. His name's Kid President. And Kid President is gonna share with us about Martin Luther King.
1: Once upon a time, there's a man named Martin Luther King, Jr. It's funny to think about because now we know his names. so well, but at one time he was just a kid. Like maybe you're a kid watching this. Well, he was a kid too. Well, maybe you're a grown up. That's okay too. Former kids are welcome here. I don't discriminate. Martin Luther King grew up to be a great man, of course, but things weren't all that great in the world while he was growing up. Not everybody was treated like they were somebody, and I believe... That you should treat everybody like it's a birthday. But they didn't do that. People looked at the color of their skin and that's how they decided if they were friends or not. Not cool, man. That didn't make him feel good. That didn't make anybody feel good. But his parents helped him grow up. He went to church. He learned about love. He grew up to be a minister to help a lot of people. He did all sorts of cool stuff. He helped a lot of people learn about love too. But still he looked around and said, things should be better. He wanted to change things. So he did stuff. He decided, instead of spreading the hate, he would spread the love. He wanted to bring people together. Where people were hurting, he stepped in to help. He marched with them, he walked with them. He walked arm in arm with everyone. Sometimes it didn't go well, but he kept going. Sometimes he ended up in prison, but he kept going. Some people didn't like him, but he kept going. Some days were hard, but he kept going. Love does that, it just keeps going, even when things are dark. And. Well, I don't like this part of the story, but things did get pretty dark. Someone who didn't agree with him, shot him. He died in April 1968. Now keep keep, keep pressing it. Why are you telling us this sad story? Come on. I know, I know, I'm sorry, but it happened. I don't like that it happened. Now I gotta tell you something. When things aren't awesome, it can be tough. And things will always be awesome. But your response can be. Martin Luther King's response, it was awesome. I just wanted us to think about this. Isn't it cool that we can change things? Like any of us, anybody. He dreamed and he changed things, and he dreamed and he kept sharing his dreams. They became not just his dream, a lot of people's dream. Like this one. I have a dream that little black boys and black girls will join hands with white boys and white girls and become sisters and brothers. That's a pretty good dream. Let's dream like that. that. could change things. Once upon a time
0: (laughs) King looked around and he said things should be better and then he went and tried to do that And things got tough he kept going and sometimes things aren't awesome but the way we respond it can be awesome Our God continues. The lamp of God has not been put out. God continues to tell us to stop and to listen and to follow in the way. Thanks be to God for that grace and love. Amen.